Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Liam Cooper to my Ben White. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, this is it, Justin. This is the big one. Our top eight in our championship league table predictions. We've revealed 24th to 9th already. Now it's time for the big boys and I am so excited. It is exciting, isn't it? I think... When you get to this point in, in any predictions, you know, I mean, you always start from the bottom anyway, but you just work your way up to the top. You absolutely crush dreams of, of supporters of, of, of several clubs. And then you get to this point and this is where this is where it's all, this is where the hope is, 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 is galvanised. This is where everybody wants to, this is where everybody wants to be. Sadly, you can't, not everyone can be here. It's a, it's a limited party, but still do listen, by the way, still do listen, but it's a limited party. Yeah. Well, you're speaking straight facts, Justin. That is, of course, the case. So it's uh, it, it, we've got to say we've gone a bit bold with some of our predictions, which I'm Ooh. sure will go down very well. But it's very exciting times. And well, Justin, we have multiple reasons to be excited, don't we? Because we have a huge announcement to make right now. First of all, welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second year. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we are extremely proud and delighted to announce we are joining Stack. That's right, the podcast company, which is home to the football ramble on the continent and up front. We are now a part of that stable. And I speak for both of us. We are just so honoured to be involved. Justin and I have been big fans of the football ramble in particular now for several years. So to now be rubbing shoulders with I'll say it, podcasting legends like themselves. It's just insane to me, Justin. It's insane to me as well. You just saying it then, I think it's actually it's sunk in at that point, which is absolutely bizarre. Um, so trying to find words to really summarise it is going to be difficult. But you're absolutely right to be to be part of a you know, a network of, of of podcast legends is is a massive privilege. I think if it wasn't for the for us bonding and talking about football and our common like for the football ramble we probably wouldn't have done the podcast so to be you know to be in this position yeah it's, it's a massive privilege and i don't get excited very often uh or at all many listeners over the years will know that i do not get excited um my voice never changes pitch and there was a little a little change when this when this came about so yeah really really pleased yeah it, it was a historic moment for us all and um, so you may be listening and asking what does this mean for you the listener in truth not much it will still be episodes every sunday and thursday the episodes themselves will still be the same for us 
it will make a huge difference in terms of us growing even bigger as a podcast and spending even more time doing this, which we absolutely love doing. So ultimately, we need to thank you, the listener, for getting us to this stage. Never would have been possible without your support every single week. And thank you to everyone who's helped us out on the show over the years as well. And of course, thank you to Snack for, as well for putting their faith in us and this silly little podcast that we do. This is our fifth season covering the championship. Oh. If you told us we'd be in this position five years ago, I'd have thought you were simply insane. And we're so incredibly excited to share this news with you. And here's to another exhilarating championship season in multiple ways. Um, but hey, let's get on with the show because this is it, ladies and gentlemen. In the words of Rihanna, this is what you came for. And this is our top eight in our league table predictions. Who do we think is going up? Who do we think is finishing in the top six? You're about to find out. As always, we make this the same way we always do. Just to make a league table, I make a league table. We merge it together into one. And as I was alluding to earlier, it's bold. <laughs> Extremely bold <laughs> indeed. Particularly with the first team in this episode. In eighth place, we have Leeds United. Quite the call from us having them here, Justin. But neither of us are backing Leeds United for a top six finish. Justin, you picked... Daniel Farker as the second best manager in the league. But you don't think he'll get this Leeds team into the top six? Curious. It's worth pointing out that I had them in sixth in my prediction table. I had them to... No, you didn't. You had them seventh. Did I? Yeah. Did I? Oh, goodness. Okay, maybe maybe I am not so uh, not so invested in Fair enough, okay. Um, no, I, I rate Daniel Farker incredibly highly. I don't think you can... I think you can separate a pre-season prediction and the quality of a manager because it's a lot more than the quality of the manager um that is that is going to impact that's going to impact a team throughout the season i just think they they're playing catch up too heavily on the other teams and they've let, allowed a lot of players to leave max max Weber, pronouncing his name um is the latest one to leave robin Cock, Brendan Harrison. There, there are a lot of players who have who have now departed leeds and that is a that is a significant factor here, and they're yet to really dip into the transfer market. And everything Ampadu has come in, and that's a really really good signing from from my point of view. He's going to play a huge role in Daniel Farker's system, but I think that there are going to be quite a few teething issues this season for Leeds. I don't know whether they're going to rely heavily on the the younger players that are in the squad: Cody Drame, Joe Gelhart, Charlie Cresswell, Sam Greenwood. Three of those players, including add James Shackleton, Shackleton into the mix. They all play for teams pushing to get into the playoffs. So naturally, for me, I think there's going to be some inconsistencies if there is going to be that reliance on on the youth players. Some players that are currently in the team, Patrick Bamford, a lot of injury problems. He's picked up another knock in pre-season. Not sure whether they can persist with him throughout the season to to, to really rely on, on on goals. Luke Ayling, Liam Cooper, not a hundred hundred percent convinced about about them as their form has slowly dropped in the last in the last uh, year. Um, Eliane Meslier, Meslier as well is rebuilding his confidence after what was quite a bruising season for him. So there are a lot of factors there working against Leeds. Recruitment is is weeks behind everybody else. Which is natural given the, the the state of the takeover. There's a lot of quality in the squad, but there's also a lot of parts that are yet to start moving to start going. They might well push into the top six, but I think they're going to have a few a few issues at the start of the season that's essentially going to hold them back from pushing into the top six. Something doesn't feel right at Leeds for me. 
We'll start off with the mass exodus that's happened. Liam Cooper revealed he told his teammates after their relegation, if you don't want to be here, then fuck off. And many of them said, all right then. Uh, Several players have departed, mostly on loan. It looks as if more could still be packing their bags. The reason they've left is because of the previous ownership who decided it would be a good idea to insert a clause in the contracts of numerous players, meaning if Leeds got relegated, they had to accept loan offers for them. Hence why they've only made £3.5 million so far in transfer fees for over £130 million worth of talent that's gone out the door. So essentially all the players they signed in the Premier League are either gone or seemingly on their way out. What's left over is a squad with... Varying degrees of quality in my eyes. It's quite difficult to call what the best starting eleven would be, but I'm hoping it includes a back four with the likes of Cody Drame, Charlie Cresswell, two young lads who impressed massively last season at this level. I'd be a bit disappointed if they're not playing regularly. Midfield's looking very light on the ground, especially if Tyler Adams leaves. Ethan Ampadu has joined for £7 million, which I think is a very good signing, but maybe they overpaid for him a bit. I hope we see young Archie Gray, feature a fair bit he looks a very exciting talent but as I say thin on the ground in terms of you know experienced midfield players and then the number of attackers they've got is simply ridiculous six of which cost a combined total of 105 million pounds if two of Lewis Sinistera Jack Harrison Crescentio Somerville or Willie Nonto are still at the club in September that'd be a huge boost however as I speak about the attack that brings me on to Patrick Bamford I still get flashbacks of him spooning so many golden chances in Leeds' promotion season. I'm fearful, to say the least, about him being the first-choice striker because even though he had a good spell in the Premier League initially, his form has dipped again. So I'm not convinced about him as uh, the first-choice striker. And finally, there's the manager. I'm not a fan of the Daniel Farker appointment. Did a great job at Norwich in the Championship, but his tactical naivety was brutally exposed in the Premier League twice. Has since had a poor season at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Is he the same manager as the one we saw last time he was in the Championship? Who knows? I think it's too easy to look at his Championship record and say he'll be an obvious success. Really important to remember as well, it took a full year for him to get going. With Norwich, the owners will want to get promoted straight away. And I imagine they won't hang around if things aren't going well. So I'm not a fan of the managerial appointment. The squad has varying degrees of quality and multiple players are trying to force their way out, which I think will leave the atmosphere at the club a bit raw. Yeah, the the, the atmosphere at the club is an interesting one because usually you need some feel-good factors coming down, don't you? I think Leicester have done a really good job in in helping that I think Southampton have done that as well but with 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 Leeds it's just been a lack of not transparency but just just a lack of something I, I don't I can't really put my finger on it but it doesn't seem you know entirely positive I know they've just been relegated but I don't I, I, say I can't put my finger on it I think the Premier League and tactical naivety argument with Daniel Farker is a pretty weak one considering he's taking over in a championship season and he's got great success in the championship, so you've got to you've got to allow him to. Well, you've got to level that at him as opposed to his, his Premier League um, Premier League record because his, his ability to get teams out of the championship is is what probably drew him to the Leeds board. Um, I, I do well, that think that was the, just that was just you know I, I know he he did it on two occasions, Justin, but that was just at one club. Things could change very differently at a completely different atmosphere. That, that that is that is true. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with the expectation. 
Norwich were at the start of a rebuild, a, a huge rebuild under his uh, in his first year going into his second year. So they're, they're in completely different positions as to when Daniel Farker took over. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that that pressure. But you'd hope that his experience much and glad back maybe has helped deal with that massive club expectation, although they did they did drop off. But for, as I say, I think Leeds have got the ability to, to, to kick on and get into the top six. But it, a lot of that depends entirely on who they bring in because wide areas, they are well stocked with quality striker, other than Patrick Bamford and Joe Gelhart, not seeing too much depth there, strength in depth. Central midfield is looking incredibly light as well. And maybe... Again, I'm not. I'm not entirely personally not entirely convinced by Liam Cooper, a good leader, but has he got the ability to 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 be a, a, a title winning, promotion winning cap, captain once again without Bielsa? And same with Luke Ayling. So maybe they need to to, to look at um, another bringing another centre half. So for me, there are, there are a lot of a lot of gaps that that need filling and need filling with quality. But where are Leeds batting in the transfer market? Are they going for the Ethan Ampadu's, or are they? signing loan players to cover the loan players that have gone out the door. It's such a bizarre scenario that Leeds have found themselves in. Can't really put my finger on it. So I think, like I said at the start, I do think they're going to go for a, uh, have a slow start to the season. That's ultimately going to cost them a top six, a top six place. In seventh place, we have Hull City. Get this, ladies and gentlemen. Hull City were in Justin's top six. Not Leeds, as he initially thought. It was Hull. <laughs> I I am I am big on Hull City at the moment. Um, I really rate Liam Rossinia. Um I, I think he's got bags of potential, and I think that Hull are, are building from a really solid foundation. Their defensive record from when he took over last season to well the end of the season was 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 brilliant. Uh, I think I mentioned in the the predictions episode that points wise they would have finished tenth um, with, with Rossinia in charge, which is a very good turnaround considering how terrible they were under Shotter or Valadzi. And I think the squad's coming together nicely and there's a really nice balance as well. There's a younger crop of players like Ali Saeed Menesh, Harry Vaughan. I'm really looking forward to seeing Harry Vaughan come through this season. Liam Delap, obviously. Um, Xavier Simons, Regan Sater. And then that's mixed with players hitting their peak as well like Sean McLaughlin, Oscar Stupinan, Benjamin Tete. And you got some experience like Jean-Michel Serri. You add a keeper, a good quality goalkeeper into that. I think Hull have got enough in the Arsenal to, to to push into that top six. It just depends whether Liam Rossini can unlock the attacking element uh, of his team because he did struggle at times to, to score goals and create chances. If he loosens the control up and build up in deep areas and get through the, get the ball through the thirds quicker, I think they can be a really, really intriguing side to watch next season because I think the squad balance is looking better. Need still, still need two or three more, but they're in a much more solid position than a lot of teams, I think, competing against our top six. Hmm. Look, last season Hull were probably the team most difficult to place in our league table predictions. I think it's exactly the same again this season, but I sit on the side of the fence that they could be one who surprised plenty of people. Admittedly, though, a lot of it is based on some big gambles. Liam Rosinha, I rate highly. I think he's got bags of potential as a manager. Hall were transformed last season and went from relegation battler to only nine teams picking up more points than them after he came in. Defensively, as you say, was the big change. They had by far the worst goals conceded record to the fourth best in the time Rosinha were there, which was, that's some change into quite drastic, really. So if he's in charge for the whole season, how well could Hall do? We're about to find out. 
They haven't been one of the busiest teams in the Championship this summer. The business has been very good, though. In defence, you've got Jacob Greaves, who's a top-class defender. I'm hoping we'll see him play more centrally this season so he can have a bigger influence at the back. Alfie Jones and Sean McLaughlin, they're OK. Could be better. Wing-back is where Hall really stand out. Cyrus Christie and new signing Ruben Vinagra will cause loads of problems for defences. I'm really impressed with the Vinagra signing in particular. Midfield is a bit of a mixed bag. Jean-Michel Serri is a touch of class. I'm interested to see more of Adama Traore who impressed me in spells last season. Ozen 2 fans decent. The rest I wouldn't be clinging on to desperately to make stick around. Up front is very interesting. Liam Delap is the new signing here. He's coming off the back of a really stinking season with Stoke and Preston, but Rosinia has been bigging him up massively, saying he's the type of striker that he wants. And I, th I think, it, if you're looking at it from your perspective, Justin, I think if you're saying Hull will do anything substantial this season, then you're backing, backing Delap to have an excellent season, which is a bit of a leap of faith, but I believe it's worth it. In this case, Oscar Stupinan got a good tally of 13 goals last season. Alia Saeed Manesh is an exciting forward who I don't think we've seen the best of yet. So I wouldn't go as far as putting them in my top six like you, Justin. I think the squad is still a bit weak in places, but I think they will go well this season. Let's go to sixth place where we have Coventry City. Justin, you and I had virtually the same top six with one difference. You didn't have Coventry in your top six. You had them eighth and, of course, had Hull in there, as we just mentioned. And I found that all a bit surprising, considering you're president of the Mark Robbins fan club. Yeah, I, I'm a Mark Robbins super fan. I have never denied this. I've, I've been a vocal advocate of, of Robbins FC. Um, I just think the recruitment-wise, they, they've got a, lo a long way to go. They've got a lot of players to replace. I think that's that's where it's where it's coming down to. And they're doing really well to to, to beef their squad up with some quality. It's just the, the strength in depth that that might be problematic um, at this stage at this stage of the, the season. And and then you're expecting you know potential. Well, you've lost Victor Giacres and you, you're potentially losing Gus Gus Hamer as well. Two star quality individuals going to take a lot of time to to replace those with with other players and for those players to really to really hit the ground running essentially um i will say it's, it's a shame that it's took taken so long for someone like doug king to come along because we're seeing ambition commitment and and finally a backing of mark robbins in the transfer market and the squad is is taking shape nicely as i said but the loss of the likes of jonathan panzo and callum doyle for example it does represent some stumbling blocks, but signing Joel Letiba Bodier, Bobby Thomas on long-term deals, I think does immediately address that. Are they as good? Time, um, well, it remains to be seen, essentially. Milan van uh, Eerwick as well, I think, is a, is a tidy signing uh, at wing-back. I think he can provide a goal threat as well. So there's a lot of exciting elements there. It's just whether or not they can go again. They, they're mixed with some season campaigners like Liam Kelly, Karma, Fadjian and Matty Godin, which is always going to be beneficial. But I just feel the squad's still looking weak for me to really push them into a top six place, which I think I had them in eighth um, in, in my list. But I wouldn't be surprised for them to push into the top six because Mark Robbins, that's it. Mark Robbins. The Mark Robbins factor is the a big one, isn't it? We said it last Thursday in our pre-season predictions. I haven't seen one person put Coventry in their top six. Everyone is massively underestimating them for me, including you, Justin. I'm confident Coventry will prove a lot of people wrong again this season. 
They may look at it and think Victor Jokeres is gone, Gustavo Hamer may go too. But this summer has been so impressively ambitious that I believe they will go again. Doug King has come in as the new owner and wants to take the club to the next level. He gets the club, he gets the fans and most importantly, the club has no debt now. So why not go out and spend a bit of money like they have done? Ellis Sims, the big headline signing, they spent big on him and that's after the departure of Vichy Ocarez. He's a cracking signing, probably the best striker they could have realistically got to replace him. At the other end of the pitch, I was a bit worried about the defensive personnel, but not anymore. Bobby Thomas joins for two million. He was incredible at Barnsley last season. Joel Latibodier could be a very smart signing on a free. They've also got in Lewis Binks, who's a young English lad who was playing over in Italy. At wing back, they've really caught the eye with the signing of Milan van Erich from Heronveen for three million pounds. He was the fastest player in the Eredivisie last season and was linked with some big sides across Europe. So quite interesting that Coventry managed to get the hands on him. Jada Silva solid on the other wing as well, just a consistent left wing back. In midfield, Gustavo Hamer is still there. It would be great if he stays a Coventry player. Admittedly, if he goes, that may dampen expectations rather dramatically, but well, fingers crossed that he's still there and hopefully he'll be sticking around. Meanwhile, Ben Sheaf, one of the best ball-winning midfielders in the division. And then a bit further forward, you have the the new £1.5 million signing, Tatsuhiro Sakamoto from Ustenda in Belgium, as well as Casey Palmer and eventually a fit Callum O'Hare when he comes back from injury. The squad is just coming together very nicely and I expect there to be more signings to come. Most importantly, you have got Mark Robbins, one of the best managers in the division. And there aren't many managers doing better in their current job than he is. And in each season he's been in charge, Coventry have finished higher than the season before. I don't see why it can't be the same this season. I think Coventry are going to surprise people. And personally, I wouldn't rule out the automatics. Well, yeah, to be fair, if you're back in Swan, it's going to be Mark Robbins, isn't it, to, to push that team into the automatics. A lot of stock for me is behind Mark Robbins. And the recruitment has been fantastic as well it's just it's just a lot of players to replace um, and I think like myself and maybe a lot of content creators we're probably erring on the side of caution for Coventry and not not throwing too much expectation behind it because it is a it is a heavy squad turnover that, they, that they're essentially doing um, which which can take time to, to bed in but like I said you put a lot of stock behind Mark Robbins he can surprise people he's been doing it for a very long time now with Coventry City so the next step, next natural step, is a is potentially a top two, a top two finish. So maybe, maybe not. You're very, you know, you're very, very high on that possibility. I can't rule it out, but as I say, probably erring on the side of caution. They've had that constant progression now yeah. ever since Mark Robbins took over. Justin, if that continues again, then it's a guaranteed top six finish, and maybe even more than that. So if you're doubting Mark Robbins, Mister Mark Robbins fan club president, <laughs> then. Uh, then uh, you're doing yourself an injustice, I think. Let's go to fifth place, where we have Sunderland. Now, Sunderland haven't had a particularly standout summer so far in terms of transfers, but I still think this can be another very exciting season. The squad here is really exciting. They've got to the playoffs despite half the squad missing through injury for most of last season. As well as that, it's a young team. All of the players from last season will be a year older, more experienced and just generally better players because that's usually how it works. You add in the players they have signed. Sunderland have a habit of recruiting young lads who you've never heard of but 
are actually really good. So don't be surprised if that happens again this season. The defence is full of really talented players. Trey Hume, Dan Ballard, Dennis Serkin, Adi Elise, all under the age of 24 and impressed when they did play last season. You've also got the shithouse king in Luco 9 who can fill in anywhere in that back line. The midfield has got the highly rated Dan Neal. Pierre Ekwa really caught the eye for me at the end of last season. Alex Pritchard playing some of the best football he's played in a long time and then there's also a load of young lads there vying for a position including Joby Bellingham who you may have heard of his brother and then the attack for me is possibly the best in the division Patrick Roberts Jack Clark two of the best wingers in the championship last season both very tricky and produced the goods last season when it comes to scoring and setting up goals and then up front is Ross Stewart who scored 10 goals in 13 games last season before getting injured Massive uncertainty over his fitness and future. But if he stays, then he's a contender for top goal scorer. And then they have been linked with getting Amadiello back as well. He's reportedly keen to go back, which would be some turn for the books <laughs> if that does happen. But we'll, we'll wait. We'll hold fire on that one for now. The one big question mark for me is with Sunderland is their manager. I'd be feeling even stronger on Sunderland if they had another manager in charge. I really like Ten Mowbray, have a lot of respect for him and particularly what he did last season and I still think even when he hit him in charge top six is very much on the cards. I'm just not sold on him being able to get a team promoted. I also can't shake the feeling that he might be replaced in the first few months of the season. I just have something nagging in the back of my head that after all the talk and reports in the summer, uh, earlier in the summer, that Sunderland may be looking to replace him but we'll wait and see whatever whatever happens though they'll be strong this season I'm sure of that I don't think I need to add too much because I could make the lazy argument and say well they got to the top six last season with barely a squad barely a functioning squad because the amount of injuries they have so why not why not why can't they go you know a step further and really solidify themselves in the playoffs this season with a a full squad a fully fit squad so that's the lazy argument but if you look at the the approach to transfers it's incredibly smart they sign younger players and, and develop them which is why they signed the likes of Joby Bellingham Louis Sealt uh, Louis Semedo's come in as well there's there's you know, several players that have come in who are have got a lot of pedigree to, to to really kick on you mentioned Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts there are two incredibly direct wingers who love to love to try and get their, their opposition fullback on toast as much as possible. So there's a lot of opportunity for, for chance creation there. And Jack Clark, I think, was unlucky not to be a more serious contender for player of the season last season because of how good and consistent he was. There were just better players than him. Pierre Equer really impressed me in his appearances last season. And I've already tipped Daniel to be a, you know, a starring player for Sunderland and an important player for Sunderland. So... You get that mid- midfield pivot right of Equa and Neil. Those two could really thrive. It's a really, really solid side. For me as well, I think, I think weirdly, I think Dan Ballard staying fit is probably more important than Ross Stewart staying fit because Sunderland showed that they can cope without the the forward. I think Ross Stewart would have been a nice to have, which is a, a weird way of phrasing it. He would have almost been a luxury but because he would have scored a hell of a lot of goals. But having Dan Ballard fit... I think they'd have kept a lot more clean sheets um, and, and essentially reduced opposition op- uh, chances and, and maybe defended those set pieces they struggled to against Luton. Um, Ajay Elise as well, I'll throw into the mix. But having Dan Ballard fit for the entire campaign, I think is a really important one because I think he's a, 
a really important figure in our back line. Having a steady back line is, is the key, I think, to, to developing that consistency because you essentially concede less goals. But like you, Ross Stewart, I've already backed him to be top goal scorer. I know he's going to be injured until um, September, October time, but I think he's got the goods to be able to hit at least 20 goals in a, in a shorter space of time because he's so efficient in front of goal. And if that's with Sunderland, that's only going to strengthen their position or push to get into the top six. I mean, 10 goals in 13 games last season was just ridiculous, wasn't it? And imagine if he was there for the whole of mm-hmm. last season. Sunderland could have done even better than they did, which is quite a scary thought. Not sure I buy the Ballard over Stewart argument. I'm looking at Sunderland's striking options and unless one of the young lads they've signed turns out to be a brilliant championship striker already, which, as we were alluding to earlier, is a possibility with Sunderland's recruitment. Um, I think Ross Stewart's arrival back into the team will be incredibly important but they may they may sign someone else anyway because he has been linked with a move away as we say but also in agreement with you that defence was a bit of a problem last season because they considered a lot of goals but that's not too surprising with the injury problems yeah. that they had Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll reveal our top four There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We've revealed basically all the positions so far, apart from the top four. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to this stage where it's time for us to reveal our top four in the championship league table predictions for the coming season. In fourth place, we have Middlesbrough. Now, Justin, this is one we had a bit of a disagreement over, wasn't it? You had Middlesbrough in your top two. Meanwhile, I had them sixth. (laughs) Hence the middling position we've given them here. But top two? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm big on Middlesbrough. My my belief sits solely behind Michael Carrick and and Kieran Scott, uh, bizarrely. Um, I've not been particularly taken aback by the transfer window. And then there are obvious doubts as to whether Chubrapom can score over 20 goals again. They need a left wing back. Probably need another striker, but I do think Marcus Force is is capable of hitting double figures and more. But I believe Carrick has learned a lot from last season. He's going to utilise that experience and, and make his squad adaptable once again. I think they're a really solid uh, outfit or potential to be a really solid outfit. And I think they're going to be a much better defensive side next well, with, with the coming season. Back four of Tommy Smith, Daryl Lenahan, Dale Fry and 
unnamed left back, I think will not concede too many goals next season, or certainly not as, as many as they did. There was a lack of clean sheets, especially in some in some games where Middlesbrough dominated. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's an important thing. And I think Michael Carrick's going to hopefully evolve that over the over the course of the campaign. There is a good recipe as well with the signings Morgan Rogers has been has been added and you look at what Michael Carrick did with Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey Jake and Ramsey I get these Ramseys mixed up every time they come up in my Aaron. notes yep I should put their first names I really should but why can't the same impact happen with Morgan Rogers he's certainly got potential and pedigree so why not Sammy Silvera as well comes with a lot of promise the Australian comes with a lot of promise and hype so I'm excited to see what he can bring so there's, there's there's elements of a really good side. You get Isaiah Jones back to back to form and thrust him uh, back into the limelight, um, which will ultimately give Carrick more ammunition in that final third. There's just some components that are missing that I believe will be filled, and I think Michael Carrick is good enough to push well, to manage this side into a, into a top two finish. I've got much more belief in in Michael Carrick than to do any of the other managers that we've got in and around this top four, apart from maybe top. You, it seems like a lot of blind faith in there, Justin, with yeah. you know the signings that they have made and you know Carrick being better defensively, that kind of thing. It, it is, but I, I again I put a lot of stock behind Michael Carrick being an incredibly gifted coach. Now I could be wrong; they could finish tenth and he leaves in December. That's just a championship, isn't it? That's just manager. That's just football managers, basically. But. What he did with Middlesbrough in such, in such a short space of time um, last season, pushing them into into auto, automatic promotion contention after being in the bottom three was just staggering, really. And and like I said, they're, they're really good components of a uh, of a good side that is capable of pushing pushing into the top six at the very least. You add some more quality into that team, and I think they're good enough to push into the top two. They're on a you look at the likes of Southampton, uh, Leicester, Leeds, teams like big budgets that have, that have come down. They're at the very start of their journeys with new managers. Michael Carrick's had time to to blend it in. Similarly with the likes of of uh, Senior at Hull. That's why I'm putting a lot of stock behind these managers who don't tend to have or who don't have fully uh, beefed out squads yet. Basically. Hmm. A lot of blind faith, as I say. I think they'll be strong this season, but I don't share your optimism. In my view, if you're backing them to get automatic promotion or even finish in the top four, for that matter, you're banking them on making multiple signings before the window closes, because right now that squad is weaker than it was at the end of last season. Cameron Archer, Ryan Giles, Aaron Ramsey, Zach Steffen were all on loan, aren't there anymore. I've not been blown away by their signings this summer. Actually, I've been quite disappointed with their transfer business. I think, well, I thought they would be a lot more ambitious than they have been. Morgan Rogers yet to flourish at championship level. Senny Dieng, goalkeeper, good goalkeeper, but coming off the back of a bad season at QPR. Well, so is everyone at QPR. The other signings they've made are relative unknowns. And the squad is definitely still strong in places. I, that's the reason why I've still got them in my top six. I don't think last season was a one-off for Tuber Akpon. Michael Carrick got the best out of him and I don't believe that was a coincidence. I'm a huge Hayden Hackney fan in the middle of the park. He could be one of the best midfielders in the division for me this season. They've got loads of great options at centre-back. Marcus Force and Riley McGree both played well on the wings despite it not being their traditional positions. There were just gaps in there which could do with filling and 
quite quickly as well. Michael Carrick has proved in his first season to be a really exciting young manager. He went from bottom end of the table to nearly getting automatically promoted under him. Their big drop-off in form at the end of the season, which basically cost them promotion, is a big concern, but hopefully that won't carry on into this campaign. So I fancy Borough for another top six finish. Their recruitment before the window closes could be a big swinger in that. Let's go to third place, Justin, where we have Southampton. Now, we did actually have Southampton in our top two before a last-minute change by myself. My partner's dad is actually a Southampton fan, so he will be completely outraged by this, but I'm sticking by it anyway. <laughs> um, as much of a fan as I am of Russell Martin, he has got some points to prove. The way he tries to play deserves respect. It takes risks, and when it's on point, it is beautiful to watch. The underlying data with his sides are strong as well. However, a 19th place finish and then 13th place with MK Dons in League One, 15th place and then 10th with Swansea, it's not mind-blowing stuff. And then as well, the defensive record in his time as a manager is a bit concerning to say the very least. So we need to see some proof in the pudding with regards to how good a manager he is. He's got a talented squad at his disposal now. The fullback options alone are ridiculous. Ryan Manning was one of the best in the division last season. And then on the other side, I mean, Jesus, take your pick. There were some there were some players who simply should be playing Premier League football at right back alone. Uh, centre-back's a big concern for me. Jan Bednarek and Jack Stevens doesn't seem like the strongest pairing in the world. Midfield is looking strong, and if James Ward-Prowse stays, that will obviously be a massive boost going forwards. Nathan Teller is the most exciting one. If he stays, it would be a big blow if he left, and right now I'm not really sure whether he's going to stay or go. Coming off the back of an excellent season with Burnley, and was also my pick to win top goal scorer in our pre-season predictions. So I'd be particularly annoyed if he went after that. Joe Rebo is someone who could do with dropping down to the championship again. And then you've got some young lads like Kamaldeen Solimana, Sekumara, Samuel Dozi, all young lads who played plenty of games last season. Could do with playing regular championship football, but how much of an impact will they have? It's hard to tell. Then up front you have Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, who have scored goals at this level, but will they do it again after a tough couple of seasons? I'm not so sure. And Che Adams has been linked with a move away as well. So a few questions about the squad, but on the whole, it is very strong. I think a playoff finish would represent a very good season for Southampton after what was a terrible season in the Premier League. I think it will take time for them to get going, though. And I'm not sure how long it will take until we see full-blown Southampton. I think there are two big takeaways to take from, take from that, uh, from what you said, and two big surprises. One that We've got two parachute payment teams who are essentially not pushing into that top two. Uh, and secondly, that the listeners just found out that you've got a partner which dispels the virgin theory. So that's hey, it. Maybe we'll wait until marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Anyway, um, I, I agree with mostly what you said about Southampton. I, I had them in third in my league. I do have some reservations with Russell Martin. His side have typically got off to a slow start during his tenure. You look at that Swansea when he first took over, the amount of draws they had uh, was quite staggering and the amount of um, low-scoring draws they were because it was just a transition to his style of play. And it was similarly with last season as well where they, where they had some really severe teething issues. It wasn't ideal. But they did recover. They did recover. And I do expect Southampton to, rec Southampton to recover but again, similar to Leeds, really, it's that slow start that I think might impact them or maybe some, some, some drop-off periods throughout the season 
as teams start to work them out because this is the big thing as well with Russell Martin's system. Teams work them out quite, not quickly, but quite effectively. They stifle them. They make it very difficult. So Swansea had that period last season where, was it 16 games without a win? It was a long time. It was a long time without a win. Um, and teams essentially they, they they work out Russell Martin side. Um, and Russell Martin very vocally doesn't have a plan B. He just wants to get plan A spot on, which I I do admire. But uh, again, I think you do need some variation of how you try and play. There were there were elements of that last season with Swansea going from a back four and being a little bit more direct to recover that form. And now it's after that slow start. You look at the playing quality of this team, it's good enough to push for the top two. Um, it just depends who they lose, who they bring in. The likes of Romeo Lavia, Romeo Lavia, uh, James Ward-Prowse, Tony Livramento, they've all been linked with moves away. There's going to be a big wad of cash should they all leave coming in. Can the recruitment team at Southampton or the ownership get, the, get their replacements right? Recruitment has been a little bit strange over the last 12 months, so there's a question mark there as well. Um, but for me, as I say, I think there's a lot of quality. You've mentioned Adam Armstrong, Che Adams. They scored a lot of goals, got a lot of experience at championship level. Carlos Alcaraz, I think, was overlooked when we were considering who might be the best player this season in the championship. I think he's got the potential to have a really, really top, top season. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of positives, but also a lot of question marks as well. But ultimately, there's plenty of quality in this team to at least finish in the playoffs. If they don't, it's a massive underperformance, which would... Ultimately, I think cost Russell Martin his job. Yeah, I, I think that's a completely fair statement to make as well, Justin, because considering the amount of money that was spent on this Southampton squad last summer and the amount of talent that's still in its ranks now, if it doesn't finish in the top six, there's been a massive balls up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the recruitment is interesting, as you say. It's very data-led, but sometimes it seems to be a bit too data-led, which I don't think I'd say very often, but it does seem... If anyone's doing it, then it's Southampton. Um, So that has got to be spot on. They certainly got some very wealthy owners and there will be a lot of money in the bank from player sales. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did plenty more business before the window closes. But as you say, it has been a bit hit and miss with regards to who they bring in. Automatic promotion. Our top two, Justin. In second place, we have Ipswich Town. Now, I can already see the Twitter comments or X comments going absolutely insane at us having Ipswich Town in the top two. And I think it's understandable. I'm just so excited by the project at Ipswich that I thought, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's go the whole hog with them. (laughs) And I'm sure it will raise eyebrows, but hey, it raised eyebrows last season when we had Luton finish third. And that's exactly what happened, didn't it? And I think this they've got the potential to be the Luton town of this season. I look at Ipswich's squad and it's so well-rounded already. It's There's only one area really where I think they could do with strengthening. But based off how they played last season, it's essentially a championship squad, a top-half championship squad already that's only been added to over the summer. Luke Wolfenden, Cambridge Burgess were both brilliant at the back. Leif Davis and Wes Burns got 25 assists combined last season from wing-back. That midfield is looking really dynamic with the captain and new signing Jack Taylor, who I think is a fantastic addition from Peterborough. And then on the front line with 
Connor Chaplin, who scored 26 goals last season. The extremely highly rated Amari Hutchinson on loan from Chelsea, who I'm very excited to see this season. Along with the very handy Nathan Broadhead and George Hurst as well, who give them plenty of other options up top. Striker is the only position where I think they possibly need to strengthen. Don't be surprised to see more additions come in before the window closes. Overall, though, hard to pick holes in that side. So there's so much depth here as well as overall quality. Much more than you'd usually get with a newly promoted club. This team smashed League One in terms of the underlying data with expected goals and would have smashed even more than they did if it wasn't for a sticky patch around the new year and Plymouth just, you know, nipping ahead of them in terms of finishing top of the table. Another big thing though is the manager. Kieran McKenna rated top of our list of managers in the championship. He's the best young British uh, manager in the country right now. He was deemed to be a world-class coach when Jose Mourinho made him his assistant at Man United and he's shown so far that he's an excellent manager as well. Has all the qualities to be a truly elite manager. Ipswich tick virtually every box for me. It's been eight years since the team did back-to-back promotions. If anyone was going to do it again in this era of modern football, I think it's them. You're a mad bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Justin, let let, let me uh, remind you last season, where did you have Luton in your league table prediction? It was me who carried the the baton for them finishing third. And look what happens. Sometimes you've got to be a bit mad when you're doing these (laughs) league table predictions. The championship is a pretty, can be a pretty mad league, can't it? To be fair, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Ipswich will push into the top two. You've got to directly say how rare is it for a team to do that? For a team to 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 do a double promotion? Southampton, I think, were the last side to do it. Norwich, uh, not Norwich. Were, sorry, Norwich were the last side to do it. Sunderland finishing the top six last season. Obviously. They they were promoted from League One, and before that it was Brentford in in 2014-15, who also finished in the playoffs after coming up from from League One. It's an incredibly rare occurrence for a team to do it. You've got to be a very special team. That being said, I had it switching my top six. I think they'll get into the top six, but for a top two push, I think is yeah, it's it's quite a, quite a statement. It's also brave, and it's probably fueled by your passionate infatuation with Kieran McKenna as opposed to anything else. You're blinded by. Uh, this this love heart gaze just in descending let, let over me, you. Let me just step in on that. You're absolutely right. I am. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Look, I make my case for them finishing the top six. <laughs> they've got the resource. They've got the balance of the squad. It's both. They're both really impressive. Um, impressive factors in this. I think tactically as well. They're they can be as fluid. As, as they need to be next season. What I mean by that, they've got a team that is capable of, of transitioning between a three at the back or a four at the back, which is really, really important, especially when you're coming up against different opposition and obviously being able to shift that easily between both systems while retaining this stylish, attractive possession-based football that they that they do do like to play, I think is a, is a, is a really, really impressive factor that... that um, that Kieran McKenna's drilled into him. Uh, I just don't think they've got enough firepower to push into that top two position. Freddie Ladapo, Marcus Harness, George Hurst, Connor Chaplin. 
not convinced that maybe a few of those will be good for some double figures, but ultimately I think they're going to keep def- uh, keep attacks out as opposed for their attack to their their attack going to be going to be thriving. They did score 101 goals last season, which is incredible. Get the most clean sheets as well, and they only lost four games in League One, which again is just incredible. Just don't think that's enough to push them into the top two, top six. Yes, top two, not buying it. Say no more. I I can fully accept why. You've got your doubts, Justin, but, you know, as we say, we, we have got to be a bit mad with our predictions at times. And I think this Ipswich side is extremely strong. And as I say, I don't think we've seen a team come up from League One as strong as them yeah, that's in true. a long time, a very, very long time. So if anyone is going to do the double-double, then I think it's them. Let's finish off with the team who we have to finish. The tippity-top of the championship It's Leicester City. I always fear it might sound like we're just being a bit lazy, picking the bookies' favourites to win the league, Justin, or simply choosing a team to go down, uh, picking a team who's just come down for that matter. But let's get straight to the point. Leicester's squad is simply way too strong. We're talking about a side which many are saying is the strongest to ever get relegated from the Premier League. So it's no wonder they're in the position that they're in. A back three of Valfeis, who cost 15 million, Callum Doyle, who was one of the standout defenders last season, despite only being 19, and England international Connor Cody. I'm not too fussed about the Cody signing, I will admit, but he's obviously no slouch. You've also got Harry Souter available, who I love. The wing backs, I mean, take your pick. Timothy Castagna is a fully fledged Belgian international. James Justin played for England as recently as last year. Ricardo Pereira has struggled with injury, but has been one of the standout fullbacks in the Premier League over the last few years when he has played and has looked really impressive in pre-season from what I've heard. In midfield, Harry Winks, an excellent signing, should be in the Premier League for me. Hasn't had a good few years, admittedly, especially the Sampdoria spell last season on loan well, wasn't anything to talk about, but he could flourish with the step down to the championship. Kin and Dewsbury Hall, we both picked our prediction for player of the season because it's quite mad that he's in the championship anyway. And that's before you even mentioned Dennis Pratt, Wilfred Ndidi, Bubakari Samara, who cost a total of £50 million. <laughs> the only weakness seemed to be up front, but even then, we're talking about Jamie Vardy, who's one of the greatest goal scorers in Premier League history. They've spent £6 million on Steffi Mavadidi from Montpellier. His stats aren't mind-blowing, but we'll reserve judgment on him. Galetti Nacho will probably leave, but if not, he's a great option. And then you've also got Pats and Dakar as well. In summary, it's an embarrassment of riches. We saw Burnley smash the league last season with players like Josh Brownhill and Jack Cork, who showed they're simply Premier League players who are too good. Many of Leicester's players are a level above that. In the dugout, you have Pep Guardiola's assistant last season, Enzo Maresca. Bit of a gamble, gaming him in, but we are talking about a guy who's been the right-hand man of possibly the greatest manager in football history, who's just overseen a treble winning season. He's undoubtedly a world-class coach and... It's incredibly exciting to have Maresca at the helm. I think Leicester will win the league this season and they could do so at a canter. They could end up absolutely blitzing it. It's very difficult to make an argument against them in my eyes, other than the Maresca appointment not working. That's the only thing I think you can possibly say for Leicester not winning the league. And if you are one of those people saying that, I'm sure you've got that nagging feeling in the back of your head that you might end up with egg on your face because of just simply how strong this Leicester squad is. So I 
I've had less the top of my league table predictions for a number of weeks now and I just can't shift them. I cannot make any excuse in my mind to shift them. There were two teams in a division that were very easy to, to place. Leicester at the top and QPR in the bottom three. They were the easiest ones to, to place. You know, really kick the mother down. <laughs> Sorry, QPR. They're probably not listening to this episode anyway. Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, like you pointed out, the, the, the variables that are in Leicester's favour are, are so obvious. The quality of the squad is just absolutely ridiculous. Enzo Maresco, I do have some reservations because it's his first job at, oh, first job as a manager in England. I know he had his spell at Palmer. It didn't go particularly well. And he has been Pep Guardiola's right-hand man for a year, which is a big benefit. But is he going to be a good manager or not? We don't know. But this quality of the squad is just too good not to finish in the top two, quite simply. You can make the argument. I know you can say... <laughs> No team doesn't deserve to go down. Teams teams deserve to go down. Teams that get relegated, they get relegated. But ultimately, Leicester were relegated because Brendan Rodgers was naive. Him and his Gucci belt just wouldn't just wouldn't shift a team into a defensive, more defensive minded setup, and they were just conceding goals left, right, and centre. There was enough quality in that team to at least finish lower mid table. So for them to go down was was quite staggeringly criminal, to be honest with you. So to see Brendan Rodgers linked with top jobs after that and get the Celtic job is, is ridiculous for me. So I think they've got some really solid foundations to, to build upon, to be honest with you. I know James Madison and Harvey Barnes have left, but there's still enough firepower in that team to to kick on again. I like the signing of, of Steffi Mavadidi because I think there's a lot of potential and quality there. And I think if you've got uh, a young uh, well, a manager like Enzo Marasco who has got experience in, in developing young players and transitioning them into a first team setup, then I think there's a manager there who's going to get the best out of um, get the best out of a, a young player coming into the team. Goalkeeper situation has been sorted as well. Mads Hermansen, although he's coming from from Denmark, so we don't really know how he's going to adapt. It seems that he's going to be number one ahead of Daniel Leverson and, and Danny Ward. Right, quite rightly so, to be honest with you, because those two didn't really convince in the Premier League. Although I do like Everson, Danny Ward definitely is quite a, an Erishroom goalkeeper. Playing a high line with the likes of Conor Cody, Bart Faust in the in the back three, I'm not totally convinced by. But again, I'd be surprised if a coach has switched on as we hope. Like Enzo Marasca isn't that um, isn't that blind to the weaknesses of, of, of his backline. Although I know Conor Cody picked up an injury, I don't know how severe it is. But again, Harry Suter can come in. There's quality seeping out of this squad. It's just maybe maybe being a bit too a bit too easy. Put, maybe it's a bit too easy putting Leicester at top, but they're just too good not to finish top. But they're too good to go down apparently. So who knows? Yeah, you're right. And the Maresca thing is is the thing I imagine will leave a lot of people with concerns over picking them. I. I think it may take a bit of time. We saw last season with Vincent Company and Burnley how they were drawing a lot of games early on in the season and it took them, what, two or three months before they were hitting their full flow. And it may be the same with Leicester, but I just cannot see for the life of me this team not being in or around that top two at the very least. And something will have gone catastrophically wrong for them not to be up there. Um, I just think they're so strong. And the squad, the depth, the quality, unless there's some sort of problem with the attitude of the players as well, you know, coming down to the championship, they may get complacent or think, oh, I'm too big for this. 
that might be an issue, but you're really clutching at straws yeah. with Leicester not winning the championship. And as I say, it reminds me a bit of, you know, when Newcastle last got relegated to the championship, you were just like looking at that squad thinking, my God, that team has got to get promoted. And it's the same with this. And I think the squad is possibly even better than that. And so I'd be amazed if Leicester didn't get promoted Um and that's why we've got them comfortably to win the league in our league table predictions. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the roundup of our league table predictions. All has finally been revealed. And needless to say, we were the most accurate league table predictions out of uh, all the content creators <laughs> last season in the championship. Just going to drop that in there one last time. Um, we're looking to protect our crown. And I'm fairly confident that we'll do that, Justin, because we're bloody good at this. Um, So there you go. This has been your spoiler of how the championship season is going to finish. And we'll be back again on Sunday to review the first weekend of championship action, which we are very much looking forward to. So we look forward to seeing you then and let the season be one of drama and roller coasters all over the shop, because I'm sure it will be. It was last season. In fact, it is every season. It's the championship, isn't it? And I'm sure this won't be the same. So we look forward to seeing you then on Sunday to kick it all off, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Brian Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.